I'm Roger Rosenblatt, and this is Word for Word. Gramercy Park I was aware of the world of writers at an early age, the faintest scent of brine, then and now. But what should one expect? This is 26th Street, where Herman Melville lived at number 104, embittered for nearly 30 years. By the time he moved into his dreary one-bedroom flat, he had already written White Jacket, Pierre, and Moby Dick. The critics had flogged him. He had no money. He survived by working as a customs inspector, a job he described as worse than driving geese to water. Eventually, he finished Billy Budd five months before he died in 1891. The book was found among his papers and was not published till 1924. No evidence of his house today. The lot is occupied by an office building next to the 69th Regiment Armory, a blackened Moby Dick of a building, where the Armory Show of Modern American Paintings was held in 1913, and where we neighborhood kids watched the New York Knicks in the early 1950s, before pro basketball got big. Writers always have been drawn to the Gramercy Park area, which contained what Henry James, another resident, called the incomparable tone of time. The park itself was a farm in the 1820s, bought by an entrepreneur, Samuel Ruggles, described as an advocate of open spaces, who spent $180,000 to drain the swamp on the property and create Gramercy Square. This he deeded to the owners of 42 parcels of land surrounding it. The park was enclosed by a fence in 1833, and a landscaper with the demanding name of James Virtue planted trees and shrubs as well as privet hedges inside the fence to enforce the border. Apparently, Ruggles' definition of open spaces was limited to two acres, 0 .08 hectares of elaborately planned greenery, and a gated Eden available only to those who lived directly around it and paid an annual fee for a key. For myself, I could not stand the studied civility of the place the perfect rectangular park, the staid and confident benches, the birdhouses like restored Machu Picchu temples, one at each end, the gravel pathways running among four lawns cut into the shape of piano tops. Exclusive, average, tame. That, above all, was what depressed me about Gramercy Park. More than its will for pointless order and enclosure and its smug prettiness, the feeling that the neighborhood might foster and contain creativity, but without the thrill of discovery or self-discovery or danger. Sea-level art. Gramercy Park seemed assured that it was better than anyone who lived there, with no evidence to support the assumption. Did Melville sense that as he walked these streets? Yet the still green neighborhood clearly offered something for literary New York. Edith Wharton was born in a townhouse on the site of the Gramercy Park Hotel, now an apartment house on the north side of the park, in 1862. The sister poets Phoebe and Alice Carey moved here from Cincinnati in 1850 and established a literary salon that attracted such people as Horace Greeley, the editor of the New York Tribune, who advised young men to go west. Greeley had a three-story house at 35 East 19th Street and kept goats in his backyard. Stephen Crane roomed with three artists in a rundown building on 23rd Street, where he found a fitting quotation from Emerson chalked on a wall. 
Congratulate yourself if you have done something strange and extravagant and broken the monotony of a decorous age. Strange wisdom scrawled in the monotony of decorous Gramercy Park. The National Arts Club, founded in 1898 on the south side of the park, included Mark Twain, W.H. Auden, and more recently Frank McCord among its members. E.B. White located Stuart Little in Gramercy Park. Hard to know if Stuart counts as a literary figure. William Sidney Porter, O. Henry to his readers, lived a lot better than most of the area writers at 55 Irving Place because he had a steady job writing weekly stories for the New York world at $100 a pop. He spent most of his time hanging around Healy's Cafe across the street and getting stinko with fellow writers, artists, and musicians. Healy's Cafe became Pete's Tavern, in which O. Henry was said to have written The Gift of the Magi. During Prohibition, Pete's posed as a flower shop. Patrons walked past the cases of refrigerated flowers on their way to the bar. Oscar Wilde lived at 17th Street in Irving Place for a while. Minor literary figures such as Carl Van Vechten and Paul Rosenfield lived on Irving Place as well. Local dinner parties were jazzed up by the likes of George Gershwin, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Theodore Dreiser, Ethel Barrymore, and Langston Hughes. They spilled gaily into what Van Vechten had called the splendid drunken twenties. In 1927, Nathaniel West took a position as night manager of the Fleabag Kenmore Hotel on 23rd, where he wrote The Day of the Locust, and snuck other writers into the hotel. Dashiell Hammett registered under the name Mr. T. Victoria Blueberry. West gave him the swankiest suite in the joint where Hammett wrote The Maltese Falcon, telling of wicked women, murderers, and treasure, three blocks from where Herman Melville, alone and unnoticed, had tracked evildoers down the vast gray streets of the sea. <laughs>